Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. We're starting a new series, and it's over the presence of God. And so as we sit in this place and stand, as you stand in this place, I'm going to speak the word over you. Let it just hit you as it will. We're going to explain it a little bit. We're going to pray, and we're going to start this message. If you notice while you're standing and we're up here sitting, I'm not alone today. I have my good friend Brian with me. Everyone, just give, just give him a, a nice hello, you know, like whatever you want, yeah. Thank you. And those of you who are new, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here. I, I normally don't co-teach, um, but I think you're going to experience soon why we are going to co-teach in this series. Um, and I'm really excited. Um, so this is the word of the Lord while you're standing from Leviticus chapter 9. It says this, Aaron lifted his hands toward the people and he blessed them. And he came down after sacrificing the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the offering of well-being. And Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting and then came out and blessed the people. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. Fire came out from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, They shouted and fell on their faces. Chapter 10. Now Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, each took his censer, his fire pan, and put fire in it and laid incense on it. And they offered strange fire before the Lord, such as he had not commanded them. And fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, through those who are near me, I will show myself holy. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron was silent. Glory church in this place, I invite you to sit down. Ben, you guys... Actually, my, my keyboardist, can you just stay up here with us for a little bit? So I got us a really weird passage, right? Moses and Aaron led the people together. So I'm up here with my, with my friend Aaron over here. By that, I mean, uh, we got Brian over here. And we're excited. This is a strange passage, right? You're like, Pastor Greg, what did you just say? What did we read? What are we getting into? It's interesting, the symbols and the metaphors in the Old Testament, though they're hard for us to like swallow and they feel obscure, we're going to trust throughout this whole series that the Lord's going to bring clarity. We're in a series on his presence. How many of you know that his presence is not something you see, right? You don't always see his presence. So it's sometimes obscure, but we're asking in this series for him to make it very clear. Lord, bring us your presence. Make it very clear. 
So what's really interesting here, uh, and I just want to get us in context, there was too many things happening at the moment. So Israel just came out from Egypt. They were captive there. They were a slave. And if we, if we look back in the Bible, before the Lord just interacted with people one-to-one. We see it with Abraham, we see it with Jacob, we see it with Isaac. We think even in the calling of, of Moses with the burning bush, you know, he hear a voice that said, Moses, Moses. But now it's different. Like the Lord is, is calling them to step into something greater than them. The Lord is calling them to just get in a corporate worship. He's, he's asking them to all together as a body to come before him and bring what is the real worship? So we're, we're, we're seeing a transition from being one-to-one to being corporate. And that's what the Lord is being, uh, trying to help us to put together as we worship Him, as we experience His presence. That is more about all of us looking to Him than it is about us. Yeah. Right? Yes, as we come, the people in our lives who say they experience God's presence on their own, and they don't do it corporately, challenge, pause. The purpose of God is always to be experienced by his kingdom. So this is a beautiful moment where he's coming from one-on-one to two, and it's all about holiness. Holiness as like he wants it, to be holy as he is holy. To bring, it's beautiful, did you see it? Uh, They were to bring the altar, they were to bring the meat, they were to bring the wood. And then they waited. Did you see that in Leviticus 9? The Lord dropped the fire. That's the image that the Lord has instilled. You bring the sacrifice, I provide the fire. You bring the life, I bring the heat. Like you bring, you bring the things and I will do the consuming. But it's really beautiful um, because then he's like, I'm bringing the fire, but you keep it burning. You keep it burning. And what we see with the two sum of errands, like, let's really think about this, right? We're talking about priests. We're not talking about common people. We're not talking about outsiders. We're not talking about people that don't know worship. We're talking about the sons of a priest. And I really sat through this because I was like, this, these people apparently knew the Lord. Like, they knew who he was yet they brought something completely different to what the Lord expected. They brought a strange fire. Strange fire. This is going to get good. <laughs> Just stay with us, right? A strange fire is unholy, illegitimate, unauthorized. And many times we have, we have the tendency to uh, manufacture or fabricate the presence of the Lord. Yeah. We... We bring those things that he didn't ask us for. Yeah. Because he said clearly, I'm going to provide the fire. So now these people, worshipers, sons of the priests, they know the Lord. They have seen the Lord interact with Moses and Aaron, yet they brought something illegitimate before the Lord. Yeah, the the actual Hebrew word is like illegitimate to the point of like a man having intimacy with a woman that's not his and comes forth a child that is not theirs. It's an illegitimate child. The picture here is Aaron's sons 
intimately connected with something else produces a strange fire. Whereas God says, I I want you and me to produce my fire. It's this beautiful act of participation with the Lord, but strange fire. So this morning, we're asking him to give us clarity on honestly, what is on the altar of our lives, okay? You gonna sit with me in this? As we start this presence of the Lord series, it's gonna start with worship. What is on the altar of my life? Uh, Sharpen our genuine worship. Really ask like, uh, have I been offering strange fire? Who? So we really need God to help us. I need his help. Anyone else? So let's just set the tone. I before we really dive into this, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. <laughs> it's fun for me. I'm like, uh, shall I be running out there? Because <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay, okay. So I was praying yesterday and I was asking the Lord, talking about this, you know, because I it's been like just waiting in my heart, and I asked Lord, what is your heart for us? What is what is your vision? What do you really want? It's gonna be crazy, but just stay with me. You know, as the Lord helped me to unpack this, right? And the word that I heard was trademark, okay? Have anyone heard about trademark? Trademark? So I Googled it because I don't know a lot about that. <laughs> and I was like, trademark, what is trademark? And trademark is basically in business when someone uh, put a sign or, or a symbol that something is separated. You know, it's like an expression that identifies someone from another source. It make it genuine, right? And I asked, Lord, what, is the, what does this mean? Like, help me understand this. And what the Lord put in my heart was that he really wants us, Glory Church, as, as a corporate church, to have his trademark. I mean, like, come on, God, what is this? Like, this is, this is cool. I think it's cool, but it's serious too. It's... It's not about being cool. It's about him putting his name and saying, you are my people. I want to separate you with my trademark. So, and this is, this, he told me this morning, because he's like, you know, he's, he's that way. I'm like, just give me, give me like the word. And he's like, no, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it to you into pieces, like, you know, slowly. And then when I hear thinking about trademark, like, how can I share this prophecy with the church? And the trademark is going to be the foundation for God to build a landmark of worship. Landmark? Like landmark. Landmark. landmark there yes. you go. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> a landmark of worship where people are going to come from all the earth, and I'm, I mean literally from all the earth, to worship God and experience the Lord in a genuine, transparent way. So. Yeah. Let's just pray, right? <laughs> and see how we do it. Father, we just pray today that you help us, Lord. That you bring to our mind all the sins that might be strange fires and we don't even know it. All the sins that we're putting, that we're bringing before you, that you don't really need or want. Father, that you bring that clarity and that revelation that our worship is the starting point of something that is greater than us. That our worship is not, is not depending on, on our feelings, but in who you are. As, a we, as, as a we see you today, 
We just want to experience real fire. The fire that comes from the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. So if you guys have not opened your Bibles, we're going to be in Leviticus for a bit. All right. So you can go ahead and turn there. You can take notes with us. Um, but really, we are on a series called The Presence of the Lord, and uh, it's going to be four-part, uh, the whole month of July. And what I'm really excited uh, about is uh, we're going to be taking it in phases, uh, which is, is beautiful. We're going to be journeying through sort of, God, what is his presence like? Because uh, my heart, um, the worst thing you can ever do, I'll say it this way. Are you ready? This is strong when the pastor says that. The worst thing you can ever do with the Lord's presence is box him into a Sunday morning place or a when your Bible is open place because the presence of the Lord is in and through all. And so I don't know about you, but I need him to be very apparent, very loud sometimes, very noticeable in my in and through all places, right? Like in my marriage, in my home, and early in the morning when I don't want to wake up, and, and, and uh, when a day-to-day setback happens, we need his presence. So here at Glory Church, like, we want to dive into what, who, how, where, we want to know you, God. Sound good? Sweet. And so can you throw up a picture of a tent? We're going we're gonna to dive in this a little bit. Do you, do you want to take, take over? Yeah. Uh, so what's happening here is, as, uh, as we talked earlier, uh, the Lord is giving Moses. Mo- Moses is in the mountain, and he is receiving the design of uh, a place that the Lord is going to interact with the people of Israel. And what he says, Moses, you're going to do it this way. There's going to be an altar. There's going to be a laver. There's going to be an altar of incense, and there's going to be the holy of holies. So for us, uh, as you're going to hear through the message, we're, we're going to be talking about the altar. And uh, the altar represents worship, represents the starting point of a ritual that the priest will do to get to the holy of holies. And as we move forward, we're hoping that the Lord just show us different aspects of his presence and his character. Yeah, so uh, one thing that we do often, and don't do this, okay, don't, don't, don't believe this lie, what we do often is we think because Christ has fulfilled the law that we don't have to, we don't have to learn the law, all right? Now, that's, that's, that's not true. The beauty of this tent is that the Lord commanded it to happen, right? This is a tent of meeting, and he said, anywhere you go, I need you to, to take up residence and build this tent, set it up in this way. And so the cool thing is when Jesus died on the cross, we know that the temple, the veil was torn. The separation between God and man was destroyed forever, right? We see that sin was paid for, but... The beauty of the phases of God's presence, when he says, I want you to worship like this, this is still something we can dive into daily. And so we're going to be taking uh, the next four weeks diving in to each of these. So today, like you said, we're going to be in the altar, in the outer courtroom. The second day uh, is next week, or the second week, we're going into the laver, that little circle. I'm not going to tell you much. That's just where the priests would wash before and after. 
then we have the, the incense, which Brian won't be a part of. I'll be, I'll be doing it. Uh, he, he'll be out that week. Uh, but the incense day is, is this beautiful fragrance piece that separated the smell of death in the outer courtroom. Can you think about that? Every single day. Bodies of animals were to be thrown on the fire to keep it lit. The people of God were known for having the scent of burnt animals wherever they went. So then you have this separation. The Holy of Holies was separated from the smell of death through the smell of fragrance. There's beauty in that, all right? I'm really excited for that week. And then you have the Holy of Holies. And then, if you see, like, as we move forward, we're kind of leveling up, right? Like, we're seeing God in a different aspect. We see, uh, we experience worship, and we sacrifice, and we pour out who we are and, and, and our desire for the Lord. And then we go to the, to the middle room or, or the holy place where God separated us, as, as Pastor said. And then in the holy of holies is where his presence comes to abide. And, and the Bible says that a dense cloud it, and people get terrified when they hear, like, they hear like a dense cloud or, or thunders. The thing is that it was so thick that they could see it. Literally, they could, they could touch it. And that's where we want to get, where God, where we experience his presence, that we can see him doing, doing things for us. And the thing he was teaching me about this is when we are in the holy place, we are experiencing like, the oil, like the separation, like we, where the fragrance of animals is being taken off our shoulder and we're entering in his, in his fragrance. But sometimes we have to do this, like we have to uh, work for this to happen. Now, in the Holy of Holies, we don't have to do anything. We just witness the glory of God and we are at rest. So I just, I want to, I want to say this in the holy place. We are a church that work miracles. We're a church that worship the Lord. We are we're a church that preach his word. But in the Holy of Holies, we are a church, we are a church at rest, where we see God doing what we were doing before. We see God doing miracles. We see God providing for his people. We see God bringing his people together. And we see, we see him pushing us to worship as he wants us to worship. Yes, and the beauty is that this is cyclical. Uh, right? Like, what is the, the whole hope of, of Glory Church? That we would be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. That means in every degree of, of glory, and that sounds weird, every phase of us being more like Jesus. Anyone more like Jesus today than you were a year ago? Yeah. Yes. So every phase, we have this ongoing process of worship, then, then the faith of the laver, then the going into the incense, the anointing, and then seeing his glory. And it's this beautiful continuation and that is the way that God designed it to be. Like we know from history though, uh, if you want to, like those of you who want to like to take notes, you can write this down because it's not about to be there anymore if you like our visual people. Um, but we know from history that a huge X goes across this multiple times, right? Uh, Syrians would come and destroy and the tent of meeting would be demolished. We know that Babylon would come. We even know that the tent of meeting would become a beautiful temple one day, like very ornate, this gorgeous thing that would too be destroyed. And every single time it would be destroyed, people would be brought into captivity and captivity would keep them from the tent of meeting. Every single time. And God would raise up someone, raise up someone to bring them out. So we talked earlier about what worship is not, right? It's not a strange fire. It's not 
something that comes out of illegitimate intimacy with the Lord, which it doesn't really exist, something like that, but like it doesn't come for illegitimate relationship or intimacy with anything in our life. Like that's, that's unholy, that's a strange fire. Now, why don't we think a little bit about what worship is, right? Um, and there's a very funny word or interesting for me, right? Uh, in, in Greek, that is proskuneo. And proskuneo means to kiss the hand towards one in token of reverence or to fall upon the knees and touch the ground with the forehead as an expression of profound reverence, right? In the New Testament, it means kneeling down or, or, or a homage that will do to someone else that was in a higher place. So if we, if we uh, conceptualize this in, 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 in our days, like how we worship, it will be us kneeling down. It, was, it will be us bowing down, our pride, our, our ego, our need, like, oh, I just need this. I need God to, I need to feel your presence today. If I don't feel it, I won't worship. It's, it's, it's more about God. It's more about who he is, his expression. And we decide to surrender and lay down who we are. So that's what real worship is. Sometimes we might get it, get it wrong and say like, oh, worship is about how I feel. If I feel today, I'm going to worship. Or worship is only on Sunday. Worship happens when I go to church. Or worship is completely the responsibility of the worship team. But that's not the reality. The reality is that in our daily life, as we go through the week, we are worshiping God in our work, in our school, in our colleges, in our campuses. Our life has to be a living sacrifice to the Lord when we're, where we are repeatedly, repeatedly saying, Lord, I lay down this. I surrender to you. Yes, and then we see, though, this ongoing back and forth of the people of God having this hierarchy, this understanding of this is what worship is. I bring my fattened calf. I bring this to the Lord, and then it gets taken away, ripped out from under them, gone into captivity. And I think we live, and we're going to get into this, in a captivity mindset with worship more often than not. And so, yeah, uh, Ezra. So... uh, now we're, we're going to talk a little bit about Ezra because Ezra is like a very good example for us to bring it, bring it up to this time. They were captive in, in Babylon for 70 years. Like, can you imagine? And the atrocities that these kings made to the people of Israel, like they killed their young people. They took out their language. Like they were forbidden of speaking the Hebrew language. They, they were pushed to learn the, the Aramic, uh, Aramic, right? And uh, so they were taking their culture. They, they were taking what they were, like the things that, that characterize Israel from other people. They were taking their worship, like, like the, the temple was all, all the treasures of the temple, the war of God, it was all taken and put it in the, store, in the treasures of the, of the Babylons and, and, and then the Persians. So these people, they lost their identity. But not only they lost, because sometimes we think in captivity about what we lost, it's what they gain in captivity. 
Yeah. And it's interesting now that he's setting this back up, he's bringing them back into this is what I want my presence to look like. I want it to be holy. I, I, want, I want my people to be holy. And it's interesting, we were talking, there's two like main words with holiness. I'll take the first one. Uh, and, and Brian will, will do the second one. It's kadosh in holiness. It's this idea of set apart from. So in captivity, what we don't realize, and we'll get into this more, is is it pushes on you a whole ideology. I mean, sin pushes on you a whole ideology. And the heart of the Father is that we would be kadosh, set apart from the Babylonians. The heart of the Father is I cannot worship the Lord if I am with the world. Like, and that, that I cannot truly worship the Lord if I am with them in my dialect, if I'm with them in my look, if I'm with them in my actions, I must be set apart from. But there's a second one. And this one is a really interesting one. It's Nazar. And Nazar means set apart to. So we first are set apart from Babylon, from captivity, from our old way of thinking, our own strategies, and we are set apart too. We are set apart to God. We are consecrated. We are set apart to worship, to be his people. And this is interesting because the Lord said in Exodus 19, verse 6, I'm going to build a kingdom of priests and holy people. So he's saying, I'm going to separate you. But it's, it's, it's even clearer when Peter is talking in First Peter, Chapter 2, verse 9, he's saying, you are my special possession. You are my special treasure. I own you. So that's, that's what Nazar is. It's that the Lord owns you. Like you are his child. You are, you are his special people. Yeah, and those of you who like a little history, Nazarite. Uh, then the word Nazarite, to be set apart for a purpose. All right, so there's Kadash set apart from and set apart to um, but I will tell you, what, as Brian men mentioned earlier, when we think about captivity, like we are quicker to think about all the things that we have lost. I mean, can you just imagine your home rampaged, ransacked, destroyed, being brought into Babylon? The first thing you dwell on is what was lost and what you want back. We want to go back to the Lord. This idea of I want to be set apart to the Lord again. But it's interesting as the Lord brings his people back to him each time. I mean, as he mentioned Ezra, as we talk on Nehemiah, there's a lot more about what uh, we need to be taken away from. If you know anything about the people of Israel, captivity seemed to keep with them, right? Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not only about what we lost in captivity, but what we have gained. Uh, do you know the story of Adam and Eve, Genesis? When they ate of the tree of knowledge and the fruit... One of the most mind-blowing understandings of the Lord is when you look at this story and it reads that their eyes were opened after they ate of the tree. So the beautiful thing about what God is wanting to do, he's actually wanting to undo all that the tree gained, right? And you're like, what? The crazy thing about captivity is now they know what it's like to be a captive. The hard part about sin when you did it is now you know that that drink tastes really good. Now you know that sex is nice. It feels good. 
now you know that, that, that eating a little bit more when I'm like uh, sad, it sort of takes the edge off. The bad thing about captivity is what you grow to understand in it. Isn't that crazy? Like quite literally, the Lord comes in and Adam and Eve, who knows him, now has this not strange fire, but the strange fear of the Lord. And they run away. And instead of being reverent, they run. Why? Because they know something that captivity taught them. And it's crazy, as we come to him, we really asked like the Lord, uh, God, like what kind of things did we gain in our sin? That your holiness is actually wanting to separate us from. So some of the sins are like knowledge, a knowledge, a previous, a knowledge that previously we didn't have about some, something, about pain. Also, Things we shouldn't know, right? Yeah, we shouldn't know, right? He, he wants, he loves us so much, and I, and I mean this, that he's trying to keep us from that knowledge. Also, like, experiences, anger, pain, mm-hmm. trauma. That's, those are all the things that we gain in captivity, ca- captivity, and sometimes we don't even know it, and we're bringing it in our worship. So, mm-hmm. what's the good news is that even though we gain all those sins in captivity, he wants to set us apart to his character, to who he is. Instead of false perception of a spirituality, which is something that we really, we also gain in captivity, like we really believe like whatever, whatever kind of worship is worship, he wants to set us apart to who he mm-hmm. is. Yeah, I mean, even to the extent of the world will teach us what peace is, right? Just go into your room and think about nothing. And that idea of, of I experienced it and that was really stretching for me now that literally tainted my worship of the Lord where he wants me to be set apart to Nazar, Nazar his, to set apart to experience his peace. Now I got to come out from this understanding of what worldly peace is. You have to be set apart in your mind and, and it goes constantly. And it's interesting. I really was challenged. We want the things that he brings. Are you ready? We want the things that he brings, his freedom, his identity, but it's through being set apart from the things we've gained in the world. Where Paul says, I consider it nothing. It is garbage. It is, uh, I, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am a priest. Like all, I'm a, all of that is nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. I need to undo, I would undo any of that to gain him, to gain him. And it's interesting, Brian t- said this, this phrase, and if you want to take a note, Brian, you just lay it on us. That without ever, ever realizing it, we're quick to mix our captivity with our worship. And this week so. when we were together, and like he said that, I was like, oh. And I'm just going to, without even realizing it, we can mix our captivity, the sins of yesterday, the abuse victim that you were, the addict, uh, addict that you were, the prone to fear, the prone to complain. You can mix it with your worship. So, and this sometimes becomes a tendency that we're mixing our captivity with our worship constantly. And we like, why is my worship not working? Why don't I feel it? Why don't, why is it not changing anything? It's because we're mixing our captivity. We're, we've gotten so used to our captivity that we don't see it. We believe it's genuine worship, 
But the Lord is saying, the Lord is looking at us saying like, oh, look at my child. He's mixing all this captivity in his worship. Yeah, the belief of like authority figures are harsh. Some of you, that was your captivity. Some of you, you mix it in worship and the Lord is a harsh God. And you're automatically worshiping him in that weird ways or worries of the day. Some of you are worry warriors, right? Uh, yeah. You're mixing it with your worship. And so your worship has worry attached to it. I mean, our worship has lack of trust. Yeah, like, we don't, we, we trust God, but we don't really <laughs> trust God. Like, you know, like, oh, God, you have, the contr- you have control of my life. But whenever something is going opposed of what we plan, we are like contra freaks. Like, you're probably not, but I'm like, I have, to, I have to take control of this. Like, that lack of trust, we're bringing it into our worship. And the Lord is like, just sit and worship and, and, and delight on my presence. I'm like, Lord, but, you know, I'm cooking rice in the house and no one is paying attention to it. You know, like, that, that lack of trust, it's like, it's serious, you know. Mm-hmm. We also uh, bring the idea of being a slave to sin in our worship. Like, like that's, that's deep. You know, we, we worship as if we're tied or if we are in, indebted with someone or yeah. something. Even the things we say, like, you know the phrase, like, Holy Spirit, come into this place. It's like, the Lord's like, bro, do you know I'm already here? But you're, you're bringing your captivity into worship. I mean, we do it all like, uh, God, will you help me to, to forgive them? And that's, no, you're bringing captivity. You have the authority by the blood of Jesus to choose forgiveness. But you're doing a cop-out of like, my worship's going to be stopped because I'm still powerless. That's captivity. That's still ca- that's captivity. And this is exactly what Aaron's sons are doing in that first passage in Leviticus. They were just in captivity to Egypt. They finally got out. The Lord has met them. They were in captivity to Egypt. Uh, they, they have been forced to see what heavy-handed leadership is. They, they see all of these things. And now they're in a place where the glory of the Lord just fell. And then they hand Aaron's sons the Lord, this strange fire, strange fire out of nowhere. Now it's, it's going to get good right here, right? So buckle up. Uh, I, was, I was born in the Dominican Republic. I started preaching at the age of 15. Uh, I clearly remember when I finished preaching, I don't know what was happening, so I closed my eyes. And I thought about that this morning, like, I don't know. If something goes wrong, I'm just going to close my eyes. But, uh, and that's how my journey, like, in ministry started. I, don't, I didn't realize it. And two years later, I went to seminary. Uh, At the age of 17. At the age of 17. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but three years throughout seminary, I, I'm praying one, one night, and I'm just, you know, thanking God, like, you know, I'm going to graduate. Thank you because I could go through all the challenges and and all the intellectual uh, strain and emotional exhaustion and all the stuff, and I'm still here. And, and I did this for you, God. Listen, I, this is me, like, you know, praying, and I'm, I'm proud of myself that I'm here. And I was like, I've been doing this for you, God, to bring glory to your name. And the Lord answered, he responds to me, no, you know, you've been doing this for yourself. I was like... I didn't believe that when, like, I was like, no, that's, that was myself. And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm serious. 
you've been doing this for yourself. You're, you're hungry for approval. You're hungry to be seen. Your, your desire of, of other men, other leadership endorsement, this is not about me, Brian. This is about you. I was like, what in the world are you saying? I mean, it was three years. I was like, you could have told me the first year, like, you're not doing this for me, and I would just drop it, right? <laughs> like, I'm graduating in a few months, and you're like, you didn't do this for me. That's how serious it gets, right? Because I was mixing my captivity with my worship. I mean, like, mm-hmm. and sorry, I'm going to no, keep, keep going, going. here. Uh, I planted a church. Like, we're not talking about, I wasn't, I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing at ministry. I was doing ministry. I would preach even five times a weekend. But I was mixing my captivity, and I was missing the Lord. I was way ahead. And the Lord was way behind because he was, you are not doing this for me. You're doing it for yourself. Yeah. And as we keep getting into this, the things, showing up to church every week, many of you, you like the way it makes you feel when you go home. Hear the voice of the Lord. You're not doing this for me. You're doing this for you. Some of you, your relationships with godly people are just because of what they make you feel. Hear the Lord say, you're not doing this for me. You're doing this for you. And it's like, it, it is heavy to see like, God, am I, our captivity, our need to be approved, our need to be seen, our fear of not being enough, uh, our, our Im- immaturity, our, our pride, all of that can be brought in and the Lord isn't in it anymore. And the worst part is we've all been hurt by people who've done that, Right? And some of you have strayed so far of being hurt by people who are all about themselves that you now are still on the opposite end, mixing your captivity of not being hurt by a, an abusive leader into your inability to step out in authority and actually just worship the Lord, right? Like both happen. Captivity comes And it wrecked me. Uh, Aaron's sons, in their desire to bring the glory of God in their own terms, they end up like bringing in something else. And uh, that image of the tent of meeting, did y'all see that? Like the beautiful thing is the altar's the first thing before you move any further. Like the altar is the very first thing. But it's also in the, God has like hit me. It's also the place where uh, we can have most covert attacks in our life at the altar. Because what's the altar about? Jesus. Who's on the altar in a real sense? Jesus. I was reading, and, and uh, anytime in the Old Testament when it talks about the, the false god Baal or Moloch or even Jezebel when she's a prophetess, uh, it's interesting. Anytime you see the worship of another god, it's not like they want it to be above the worship of Yahweh. They actually want it to be on the same altar as Yahweh. And what I mean by that is this has wrecked me. 
the Lord covets our worship so much, desires our worship so much to be set apart from that the danger is the enemy says he knows us. He knows that we're not going to worship him higher than God, but we will begin worshiping, insert anything else to the same degree as we worship the Lord right? That is the moment. I mean, our worship gets hit uh, to us being the same excited at a Chiefs game that we are at, the, at, a, at a worship of the Lord. We, we, like it's the same altar. Our same excitement to show, actually, or more, right? To show up early for this and then late for the Lord. You know, like it's interesting, the same altar. And the, it, I really was hit. Like the enemy knows he cannot be greater, so Greg, like, I'm going to, the enemy, I'm going to make the concerns of your day just as high as your compassion for the Lord, as your allegiance to him. I'm going to make your anxiety on the same altar as your allegiance, right? Like, can you do that? I'm going to make your fear of the world on the same altar of the fear of the Lord. And it's a mess, and uh, before we move forward, I'm going to take you a little bit back to Ezra. So they are coming back from captivity. And the first thing he establishes was the altar because the altar was lost. Yeah. It was lost in, in that amount of things that the enemy puts in our life every day. So we can't really have the altar in a place where God is, is pleased with it. So he put the altar and he brings the people together. That's, that's, that's how the Lord really bring worship because we are a corporate uh, body. And then... That's good, Brian. I mean, to the point where I'm even thinking like... Sorry, I told, told him we'd also just have little like back and forths together because uh, this is what its life is like in my office as we talk. Uh, to the point where like I'm even thinking... The Lord is saying, Greg, when you are struggling, when you're in this place of doubt, when you're in this place where you are, the thing that I want you to build in that place is my altar. Let that be the first thing going on. Like, let's build the altar. Remember the, my word. Remember my sacrifice. Before you do anything else, the altar. And just to, like, talk a little bit more about that, I, I just feel like uh, there's too much to unpack there. Uh, the, the culture in the Old Testament was that whenever... The people like fell through something else, but God, they will put they will put things in high places. They will be like altars in high in high places. And I just I just picture when you said that, that those things like doubt, fear, anxiety, they start building up to high places. Hmm. And we just, you know, we pray to God that we can take all those downs and there's only room for his altar. Yeah. His altar. Set that. And so we really set like, okay, so your altar was made, sons uh, of Aaron mixed it up. We have, you know, Aaron and Moses putting this altar, they set the sacrifice, the fire came, and then these two boys, these two men of God make this other fire. We really ask like, God, what leads me to make, to bring about a strange fire? What is mixing to the point where I'm not only just mixing captivity into worship, but now I'm literally lighting the flame. And I'm lighting the flame and it's overcome, it, it, it's, 
It's to shine bright like yours. Like that's just the nastiness. And so we really ask, like, God, what is this? And the Lord gave us this uh, verse in First John chapter 2, 15 and 16, if you can put it there, up there. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, and listen here, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches comes not from the Father, from, but from the world. We really like, felt like the Lord was saying, want to know what like, leads you to put other things on the altar? The desire of your flesh, Greg. This, this bad conversation that you had, like what's the scripture that talks about bad conversations? Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 that bad conversations corrupt or, or destroy good habits. Yeah, do you remember, like uh, anyone else remembers those nights when you have sleepless nights and all you think about are the bad conversations you had and how you would have done them better or should have done them better? Or the best... Those of you who are like me, who are already like imagining the bad conversations for today, right? Anyone else? You're there with me? Those things, the desires of the flesh are corrupting the altar, are corrupting our worship. Um, Many times those bad conversations are based on lies and those lies we start to believe. We start to believe that those lies are truth in our life and that's just the desire of the flesh. Yeah, another one we thought of like was consumer mindset of like I come from me. It's real, right? This one is good. Yes, uh, it's real. It's the same thing that, that Brian said, like uh, this is about me. That's consumer mindset, not the Lord. Uh, desires of the flesh. But then there's desires of the eyes, right? What we visually see. Uh, no. The desires of the eyes are lost. Uh, and people, when they think about loss is they just think about something sexual it's it's more than that honestly it's like when your your brother or your sister or someone in the community have something just you just start craving for it like i want that you know like that's not good that's the desires of your eyes are are tricking you in lust yeah and the crazy thing is every day i mean i'm imagining this altar that the lord is wanting us to build and every day we're putting things on the altar Like, am I putting the desires of my eyes on the altar every day? Or am I putting my life? Am I just putting all that I am? Am I putting the desires of my eyes? Like, all I'm thinking about is what I'm coveting. My day is surrounded by mixing my my lusts with my worship. Uh, It's interesting, like, uh, this little formula, what I see, and sometimes I get stuck in my eyes. Anyone else, like, I see things, and Lord, like, you're not in there, so my brain's not computing what you're doing. And so, like, I'm seeing all the problems. I'm seeing things, and it affects what I'm giving. That's when strange fire is produced. Like, when what we see begins to limit or transform what we give to the Lord or even demand what we give to the Lord, then strange fire is produced. And this really distorts our capability to see God and see who he is. Because the desires of our eyes are telling us that what we see is what God wants, and it's not. It's not. Yeah, and so then we have this pride of life, which I really think is what Aaron's sons, the desires of their eyes, they just saw, literally, how cool would it be? Like, can we just sit on how cool? How cool would it be for a 
killed animal on an altar to be literally consumed, combusted by fire out of nowhere. The people knew instantly, fire lit, the glory of the Lord was there. They had seen, but then they had this pride of life. I want that same authority that my dad had. I want it. The same authority that Aaron had, I want it. The pride of life, doing things out of order. I'm going to do it even though like, I don't have the authority to. You want to know, I mean, some very common like, out of order things. Uh, any of the, you know the like, little Facebook prophets? The sort of like to, to give the new word of the Lord out of the order of, uh, nope, no one. Strange fire. Like there's strange fire uh, attached to, to, to rogue prophets giving words of the Lord that's out of the authority of a local church. Like that's Aaron's sons. Like I'm going to have the glory of the Lord over here. Strange fire. Strange fire. The pride, the pride of life. That one really hit me hard because the Lord showed me that I, my struggle was with the pride of life. Hmm. I wanted to be seen. And then I discovered yeah. that if when I preach, people will go like, oh, you do it really well, you know, and I'll get like that serotonin and endorphin like boost. And I was like, I can do this. I can, I can keep performing all the time. So I just receive people approval. And that was the pride of life just coming up, coming up and really getting between God and me. And the Lord told me, I just want to be your father. I want to I nurture you. I want to provide for you. I want you to really experience me. I don't care about if you're ministry or not. Just, I care about your integrity and how you come before me. That's, that's deep. Yeah, holiness. Be holy as I am holy. Like, he, that's what he desires. And so really we asked, like, okay, God, like, how do we bring this? Um, and I was really struggling, like, to the point where I went, to, I was like, this past week, I, Brian, I got to go pee. I don't know how we're going to end this. I don't understand what to do. I'm going to leave. And as I leave, I'm, like, uh, just talking to the Lord as I'm washing my hands. And I feel like he said, you need a pan in your hand. Uh, like, you need a pan in your hand. So I, I, no joke, got back into the office. I picked up a little plate that was in there, and I said, okay, this is my fire pan. So this is my fire pan. Because I really wanted to ask, like, God, this has to be something, like, we can just say the holy, crazy, uh, charismatic people are the ones who bring strange fire, you know, who do things in another God's names, and that's not really, that's not the point of this passage. The point of this passage is that Aaron's sons took their fire pan and they saw the glory that the Lord just displayed and they began adding to their pan from their own captivity. And they started with the desire of the flesh. Yeah. Probably a bad conversation. I, I can just picture Nadab and Abihu like, oh, let's just offer some fire. Some people see us as well. I know we're going to get to do it one day. Why don't we do it now? Yeah, let's just do it. Let's, let's get ahead of our, our time and cut our dad. And then they started believing the lie that they should offer a strange fire. Yeah, I mean, even lies, like if I can think of it, um, there's no other way. Um, I was even asking the Lord, uh, the lie that if I don't, you won't be in it, God. And so I guess I have to keep going. Or the lie that I'm not enough. And so we keep acting. We keep doing things. We keep living in this. Uh, and we keep trying. And the consumer mindset. 
this is just the people of Israel can see us and feed our insecurities. I'm going to put it there. Man, I want to even add, like, um, I mean, just this idea that uh, I can manipulate God by giving him my, like, my life. Or, God, I will do this thing for you if you do this for me. Anyone else do that? Like this, like, little desire of the flesh, this consumer mindset. If I pay this, I will get that back. Like, that, that hits. If we do this priestly order, the Lord's going to be in it. No, if I do this show up on Sunday, the Lord's going to be in it, consumer mindset. But also desires of the eyes, like, dad got glory, I want glory, right? We've seen them do it, like, we want it. They just keep adding up, you know, <laughs> because they, they wanted the prestige their eyes told them they saw. They, they wanted the reputation that Aaron had, but they didn't know the reality of the burden that Aaron was carrying. Yeah. The desires of their eyes. So then I'm thinking all these things, okay? So this is my, like, I'm in the mirror with my little fire pan, and I'm like, God, like, this isn't the point. The point isn't that we did all these things and it was bad. The point was we lived our whole life. We looked at Aaron saw that the glory of the Lord came, we looked at our fire pan and saw that you're not lighting this. And so we decide to light. And it was this like, he's not in my life, so I'm going to force the things of God to be in me. The pride of life. And this is like where I, I really want to like understand, I'm going to bring this a little bit close to your home. Uh, where it feels like he, I keep praying and he's not showing up. So I'm just going to keep doing it anyways. Or like I, I, I get in the habit of this, like, um, I'm stuck doing this. I've, I've provided myself. I, I've told people I would do it and my heart's not even in it anymore, but I've done all these obligations and I'm overly responsible. So I'm going to keep doing it and I'll just light the flame instead of relying on the Lord. I have burnt so many people from strange fires because I have done all the work in my pride, noticed he's not in this, so I've had to force myself to keep going. And we force joy, we force hope, we force peace, and it's just all fake. And I, I just really felt like the Lord, okay, so here's the point. They were like, we have our sacrifice, God, and you're not in it. So I guess we got to make it look like it. And I just sit back and think of every single time in a church service where I didn't feel the Lord's presence, where you didn't feel the Lord's presence, and so you're like, okay, I'll just sit down and act like I do. And I'll bring my adoration I'll take a note, though my heart's not in it. I'll sing a song, though my heart's not in it. I'll make the tune. And it really convicted me, Greg, you bring your flame into the mix so much. And I even felt this week, um, as I was doing this, uh, some of you have been burnt by the flames, the strange fires of churches. You've been church hurt. 
So much so that mixed in the back burner of yours is these doubts and distrust. And so you light strange fires of distrust instead of worshiping the Lord. And so it's just this nasty little thing. And I felt the Lord say, um, and this is how we're, we're wanting like, to end it. I felt the Lord say, this does not have to be the way it is. Greg, you have the authority to do this at any point. Right? You guys have the authority every day to take your fire pan and say, I will not let doubts be in it. To take your fire pan, I will not let doubts be in it. I will not let lies be there. I mean, Romans 12 I mean, this is literally, do not be conformed to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. The world will say I have to add a lot to the altar in order to be seen by God. But no, I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Then I can see God. Because all he wants, what's the verse right before this? He just wants you. The holy act of worship is to sacrifice yourself. All he wants is me. Me. And so as we like end, uh, I don't know if I want to do the core piece. Do you, do you feel like we should? Yeah. There's a beautiful passage in 2 Timothy, and I'm going to have Brian read it, because this is beauty of the Old Testament to the New Testament. Are you ready? 2 so, Timothy says this. So we're trying to tie it up what the Lord has been teaching us to the, to the New Testament, and it says... In a large house, there are utensils not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for special use, some for ordinary. All who cleanses themselves of the sins I have mentioned will become special utensils, dedicated and useful to the honor of the house, ready for every good work. And the beautiful thing is, I have the authority the power to say, I will not have that utensil. I'm going to present myself to the Lord and be holy. I'm going to be cleansed. Not because I'm doing anything other than just saying, take me. I had to do this in the, in the shower this morning. Like, I'm just, God, I don't need to add anything else. The doubts of the day, the fears of tomorrow. Like, I just want to come to you. Will you cleanse me? Will you bring the fire? Because in the end of the day, it's going to happen either way. And the beauty is there's nothing to be afraid of. We look at the Old Testament like, oh, they did, right? Aaron's sons, they're gone. Uh, but the beauty of the New Testament is the fire of the Holy Spirit falls on the sacrifice regardless. And we as a living sacrifice, when we come to him, his fire comes. And so, like, we just wanted in this place, like, band, you guys can come up. Uh, I just, I really felt like this imagery needs to happen in our church as we come to his presence. So, like, what would it look like even to cognitively, some of you who are, like, very, uh, your physical people, what would it look like to have that fake pan in your hand? What's in the pan? What's in the pan? What's in the pan? Is there pain from your captivity? 
your sin. There's still doubt. Lord, we just pray that you can open our eyes. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.